You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Good evening, everybody. I heard John and Jez on the front row. (laughs) It is great to have everyone here. If, so how many people have been enjoying the sunshine today? Isn't it wonderful? It's like sun, summer has suddenly arrived. Summer water about quickly. Wonderful. Long may it last. If you are new to us, we are in the fourth week of our evening series on spiritual gifts, which has been absolutely incredible so far. By spiritual gifts, I'm talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit as found in 1 Corinthians and in the life of Jesus that are designed to mark our lives as followers of Jesus. These are the things that the Spirit of God wants to do, wants to birth, wants to grow in your life to bring the kingdom of God to those around you. If you've missed any of the previous talks, I'd really recommend you catching up with them on the podcast. We began with an excellent introduction given by Josh on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and John did a brilliant talk on the gift of tongues. And then last week, Josh spoke on words of knowledge and shared some amazing stories. And what has been the most special thing of all of this is the way we have experienced the power and presence of God amongst us as we've prayed for one of each other as his kingdom has come touching lives and bringing healing and freedom that has been really wonderful and we're excited and expectant for more of the same this evening have we got any more excitement in the room brilliant (laughs) just a couple of stories from last week that um i asked josh if i could share we had a word about a nut allergy a box of eggs Fear of flying, heart condition, all were relevant words of knowledge to people here. And you might have noticed that Josh dropped in the name Sandra at some point during his talk. He thought he was just doing picking a random name, but he suddenly sensed the Spirit of God might be on it. Nobody actually came forward in the meeting and said that meant something, but three people came to Josh after the service, and that word was relevant to them. So we see the Spirit of God moving in all kinds of ways here. Tonight, I'm going to be speaking about the gift of prophecy, the gift through which God speaks to us and through us for another person or group of people. I'm going to look at what the Bible tells us about the gift of prophecy available to us as followers of Jesus, filled with his spirit. I'm going to share some stories from my own experience and talk about how we can both communally and personally grow in this gift. Then we're going to be putting what we learn into practice, which will be the best part of all. As I've just mentioned, Josh gave a great talk on words of knowledge last week. And as this leads on from that, I'd like to start by answering the question, what is the difference between a word of knowledge and a prophetic word? The difference between a prophetic word and a word of knowledge links with what the person receiving the word will already know about the situation. A word of knowledge is something that someone would know about, either from their past or present circumstances. So for example, if God spoke to me about somebody's name, their address, their phone number, a situation in their family, or an illness, or a woman called Sandra. 
all of these are words of knowledge because the person receiving would already have the knowledge of the word that you give them. A prophetic word is different as it's giving a person insight into something that they don't know. However, as both involve us hearing from God and passing on what we sense we're hearing to another person, the two are closely related. In fact, one often leads on from another. I often find that a prophetic word begins with a word of knowledge as they earn people's trust and as they realize that God is actually seeing them, he sees them, he knows them, he loves them. It gets people's attention. But from then on, from that place, a prophetic word can often follow, giving the person insight into things they don't know or haven't realized, perhaps relating to the future or giving them godly wisdom in the present way that they haven't seen already or that brings confirmation. I was part of a prophetic team at a conference last year, and so I'd never met the people we were prophesying over. And a middle-aged man came to us, and as I looked at him, I saw him picking up, this is in the spirit, not actually, picking up a case of old and familiar tools and handing them in only to be given a new case, which when he opened it was filled with brand new, very different tools to the one he just handed in. I spent some time asking the Lord what I felt this picture was about, and I felt that God was saying, and I shared with this guy, that I felt that the tools that he was being given were just right for whatever he was going to do next. I said that I sensed he felt very nervous, but that God was saying to him he was going to teach him how to use and handle these new tools, and they would form and build incredible new things in partnership together. As I shared what I sensed God was showing me, his eyes grew wider and wider. His mouth opened slightly, you know, when people are slightly shocked or surprised. And he told me that just the week before, he'd left his job of 25 years as an engineer and had literally handed his tools in. He said he was stepping into full-time youth ministry in the new season and was having serious doubts. It's something totally new to him. And he was thinking, have I made the right decision? What have I done, God? He was having some last-minute um, anxiety about it. And he wondered, am I equipped to do this job? So that word of knowledge, the part that he knew, that he'd handed his tools in, followed by the prophetic, what he didn't already know, one flowing from the other, brought confirmation and peace to this man. Um, to give another example, from the last couple of weeks, we were chatting on the phone with my son Sam, and he'd been doing some mission on the streets of London. And he spotted a guy, and he really felt like he needed to say something to him. So he just sat down, started having a chat. They got onto the subject of God, and the man closed up, totally clammed up, and he said, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. And Sam got the impression that he should get away as quickly as possible. So he started walking away, and he sensed God say, no, go back to that man and ask him if the word bank means anything to him. So Sam went back to the guy thinking, oh, you know, it's not going to be very pleasing with this time. He said, really sorry to bother you again, but can I just ask you, is, is there something happening with your bank at the moment or something to do with your bank? And this guy just looked at him mouth open again and said, yeah, I'm sat here absolutely 
um, terrified because I'm due to be evicted from my flat tomorrow because I can't pay the rent. I'm in serious debt. My bank's onto me. And he started to share all of this stuff that was happening in his life. And Sam and another member of the team out there on mission were able to then, from that place, talk to this guy, speak to him, pray to him, pray for him, and tell him about Jesus. And so... Again, another incredible way a word of knowledge can flow into the prophetic. So, what does the Bible say about prophecy? I think it's worth pointing out, first of all, that there's no era of biblical history without the prophetic. The Bible, stripped of prophecy, of God speaking to his people through other people, is a story that just cannot be told. However, it's worth pointing out briefly here that New Testament prophecy, which we're looking at this evening, is different to Old Testament prophecy. For some of you, when I say prophecy, you might be thinking of those 15 books in the Old Testament, and it's quite different in the New. In the Old Testament, God selects certain people and communicates with them directly. These people then share the private whispers of God publicly. And those people in the Old Testament were called prophets. But they were the exception, not the rule. One of these, the prophet Joel, prophesies about a time that is coming when the Spirit will be available to everybody, not the few. And they will prophesy, they will have the ability to hear and speak the words of God. It's this passage that Peter preaches on when the prophecy is fulfilled, when the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost and everyone is speaking in tongues and interpreting and prophesying to one another. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Acts 2, verses 14 to 18, we're just going to read that together. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully what I say. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken about by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So what was extraordinary on this day of Pentecost, and Peter has to explain in detail about when the Holy Spirit is first poured out, becomes the ordinary experience of the New Testament church from that time on. So that when Paul, years later, writes a letter to the Corinthians, he devotes an entire chapter to instructing the church on how to use the gift of prophecy in tongues when they gather together. We've had a look at these in previous weeks, and we're just going to have a look at a few of those verses of that chapter again this evening. So if we want to look at 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to start with verses 1 to 4. And it says this, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. 
Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. And we're just going to skip forward to verses 29 to 32. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in terms so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. What strikes me straight away in this chapter is the assumption here is that when God's people gather together, numerous people in the congregation are going to have some kind of communication from God, which they will then be sharing with others in the group. So many people want to prophesy, in fact, that Paul has to provide some order. That might not have been your experience in all church services that you've been to in the past. I don't know about you. It certainly wasn't common in my upbringing. But we're seeing it happen in our time. It's wonderful. There's also written instructions directly relating to prophecy included in the books of Romans, Thessalonians, Timothy, Peter, Jude, Revelation, not just to the Corinthians. It is the clear biblical expectation. In other words, if it's the church you're in, expect prophecy. When Paul says in chapter 5 of this chapter, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy, he means all of us here tonight as well. All of us who know Jesus and have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Because now we carry permanently what the prophets of the Old Testament had at particular times for particular purposes. Another difference between Old Testament and New Testament prophecy is the way we hear God's voice. And Josh touched on this a little bit last week, so I'm not going to go into that too much here. But in the Old Testament, prophets heard the precise words of God, often through an audible voice. It's not the way I've heard from God very often. But Paul tells us in the previous chapter of 1 Corinthians 13 that rather than hearing word by dictation from God, as it were, that we as followers of Jesus know in part and prophesy in part. God is always available, but not always obvious. And so learning to hear his voice takes some practice. It takes uncomfortable risking that we call obedience. In John chapter 10, Jesus says his sheep follow him because they know his voice. How do we learn to hear the shepherd's voice? We do our best to follow it. We ask God to speak to us and then we walk obediently as we learn to listen. And that means mistakes will be made. We've got to be willing to get it wrong if we're ever going to get it right. Listening to a talk by Tyler State, and he said, there's no formula, only familiarity. As we take risks, God's voice becomes more familiar and more frequent, or we just learn to listen more clearly. But know tonight that God wants you to be close enough to hear his whispers. He desires intimacy with you. Prophecy is an invitation to come further into the intimacy with God that you're already experiencing. And we prophesy to one another with humility, sharing our thoughts and impressions as we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit for a person. We use language like, I sense the Lord saying, or my impression is, not the thus saith the Lord of the Old Testament. 
And the person listening is instructed by Paul to weigh carefully what is said. And one of the main measures for weighing a prophecy is outlined in verse 3. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. I'd love to look at each of these and share a few stories. So first of all, strengthening. Strengthening prophecies often speak into our potential or our future potential rather than our current experience, and they bring confirmation, affirmation, and motivation. We've got a, quite a recent one, Andy and I, um, from our personal experience. Um, for those of you who don't know us very well, Andy's had a period of nine months out of work and then got a job two weeks ago, which is incredible news. <laughs> And just after his company went into liquidation and he lost his job really suddenly, about two months after that, we helped hosted our Grow Baby conference here. And one of the leaders had been chatting to me the night before and I'd briefly shared about Andy losing his job. And when she saw me the next morning, she caught me and she said, I woke up in the middle of the night and, I, and God spoke to me about you. And I was like, oh gosh, what is she going to say? And she said, I sense this is what he was saying, the that God is going to provide a new job for Andy and it will be a job that is just the right fit for him. But I sense you'll have a period of waiting first. As the answer will come at the 11th hour, he's working in the waiting, teaching you a deeper level of trust and this time of waiting will be fruitful. So, Andy got this job after several more months, after seven months since his prophecy was given. And it definitely feels like it's been specifically designed with him in mind. There's lots of other things I could say about that. And his time in the waiting has been fruitful. He's been working with refugees and with a rehab project, which he has loved. But interestingly too, as well as that 11th hour meaning you're going to have to wait some time, his interview for the job was meant to be at 10.30 a.m. and... I was at home praying, interceding, please, Lord, please, Lord. And I thought, gosh, this interview's going on a long time. Still hadn't heard anything at 12. And it turned out that they were running late, so he didn't go in until after 11, the 11th hour, literally. So strengthening prophecies um, seek to help us keep motivated in those periods of waiting. They bring some confirmation. They bring some affirmation, some motivation. They also sometimes focus on a particular area God wants to repair and restore and heal. And during COVID, I was part of a few prophetic calls where we had a team of people prophesying over a person for 10 or 15 minutes, and we were part. these people were potential church planters. It was a vineyard church's call. And there was this lady, and she was um, just looking at the screen. We had nothing to go on whatsoever. We just asked the Lord to give us some words for her. And somebody who was on the prophecy team that day just said to her that she had been through a period of great brokenness, but that God was putting her together piece by piece. And she had a picture of a kintsugi vase. That's a Japanese art form where pottery is put back together and sealed with gold 
um, like a glue that's gold. And so the end product can be something incredibly beautiful and light shines through it. And this woman, much more eloquently than I am tonight, was sharing how God was going to do that in her life. And tears were streaming down this lady's face. And she said, does that mean anything to you? And she turned her camera around and opposite on the mantelpiece was a kintsugi vase. So that's another example of a strengthening prophecy, also very comforting too. Prophecy, prophetic words also bring encouragement. Now, prophecy and encouragement are really closely related in the New Testament story. Tyler Staten says this, encouragement is prophecy by what you can see. Prophecy is encouragement by what God can see. So if you want to grow in prophecy, start with your eyes open. Make it your commitment to be a person of encouragement. What have you admired in someone but you've never told them face to face? Or what encouraging thought has passed through your mind sometimes that has never made it through your lips? You never know how God is going to use that. And again, I've got a recent story about this that was both encouraging, strengthening, and comforting, actually, but I've put it in, in this here because it did bring encouragement that particular day. Um, on Tuesday, our fantastic Grow Baby team went and did a pop-up at um, St. Martin's Church, one of our local churches, um, to support the people in that community. did a fantastic job, and... Jonathan, the vicar there, had showed me around everything that was going on. And I'd just made my way over to the team, and I was just chatting with them. And this, I was, became aware of this lady staring intently at me. And so I thought, oh, she's waiting for help, and I'm getting in the way. So I apologized and said, look, here are the team. They're here to help you. And then she said, oh, no, I'm not here for help. She said, I was just looking at you. And I thought, what a beautiful woman. You're radiant. Now, that particular day, I was feeling, well, even when I'm looking my best, I don't have people stopping in my street telling me I look beautiful or radiant. It's just not a common occurrence for me. But this particular day, I felt not very good at all. I had a splitting headache. I didn't feel great emotionally. I certainly knew that I didn't look my best. And so we all giggled a little bit. Claire was giggling with the group, saying, oh, you've made Rachel's day. And oh, thank you. We just laughed off a little bit. But you know, in that moment, I heard God's voice say, that is how I see you in this moment. And it altered the course of my day that day. I was working from home in the afternoon, and it just brought such a strength, such an encouragement, such a comfort to me that day that how, it's about how heaven sees you. And, you know, I was just thinking as I was reading this tonight, I felt I needed to share that story because I think there's people who need to hear that tonight too, that how God sees you, how heaven sees you, even in your most broken times, is not as you see yourself. So, yeah, I just pray tonight that God would speak to you about how he sees you. Comfort, comforting prophecies often speak to karmas, leading to perspective, purpose, and prayer. They often seek to reassure us of what we know, but what we've started to doubt, perhaps. It soothes our wounds, puts balms on our hurts, and fills our emptiness with love. 
an experience from my life that I'd just like to quickly share is a visiting speaker that came to our church in 2017. The reason I brought this book up, if you saw me put this on the table tonight, is I developed the habit a while ago of writing down any prophetic words I'm given. So I use this to be reminded of this story tonight. And I would just say to you guys, I would really recommend you doing that. As well as voice recordings, it's just great to keep a, a note of prophetic words because... Uh, one of my favorite things to do is just to look back and see the faithfulness of God and see how he has answered prayers and just see some of these prophetic words come to fulfillment. But we had a visiting speaker who'd come to our church. I was in probably the, the toughest season of my life. And in hindsight now, I knew it was the beginning of God calling me out of teaching into the things he had planned for me here. But at that time, I knew nothing about that. I just knew I was in a desperate situation in a job that I'd been doing for around 20 years. And this guy obviously had never met me before, knew nothing about me. And he said this. He said, you've been on a long journey, but you're entering a new season. You've seen changes in the past couple of months that have been a revelation. God has made you a Hannah, referring to Hannah in the Old Testament, crying um, in, the, in the temple. Um, and you're going to be crying out to him more and more, but also resting in his presence more and more. Your tears are precious and he holds them in a bottle. I sense you were facing a huge injustice just now that is really painful and you're feeling a sense of isolation and loneliness in it, but God is there. He sees you. He knows all. So not only were they such accurate words of knowledge that I thought, he's read my mail, but they also reassured me that God knew my entire situation. There was such comfort in knowing that this was all for a reason, entering a new season and that he was with me in every detail of that and that situation uh, that season that situation continued for quite a while but that word and others too continued to strengthen encourage me and comfort me throughout that time so you might be here tonight thinking I want to grow in the prophetic, in hearing from God and sharing what I hear with other people. Where do I start? So I just want to give three different pointers here. First of all, I just want to talk about the centrality of love. The first instruction Paul gives in this passage is to follow the way of love. And he's just finished, as most of you will be aware, a whole chapter about love in 1 Corinthians 13. Prophecy is dangerous when it's given from any other motive other than selfless love. That's why 1 Corinthians 13 comes before 1 Corinthians 14. And the Bible makes the point profoundly by stating that without love, the most insightful prophetic gift is just a waste of time. In 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 to 2, it says this, If I speak the tongues of men... Or of angels, but do not have love. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. We achieve nothing unless love is expressing itself through us. Secondly, Paul instructs us to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. 
And the exact Greek translation that's translated here, eagerly desire, is to set one's heart on. When you eagerly desire something or someone, you think about it or them all the time. Think of a couple in love, longing to see and spend time with each other. Eagerly desiring is an active thing, not a passive thing. We're not passively waiting for God to speak, but we're passionately leaning in, drawing close to him, seeking to hear from him. And just want everybody, if nothing else, to encourage you to live your life in a posture expectant to hear God's voice. Think constantly about his small whisper. Delight even in the smallest taste of it. Ask God, God, are you speaking to someone else through me today? What is it that you're going to Um, Ask me to say to bring words of strength, encouragement, and comfort. Finally, ask God for the gift of prophecy. Those of us who have been around young children for any time will know that when they eagerly desire something, they ask for it. And they don't ask once, they ask constantly. The gifts of the Spirit are not techniques or methods, they're gifts. And a gift isn't something you master, it's something that you receive. So if you want an increase in the gift of prophecy, ask for it with the right motives, remembering the centrality of love. The Bible teaches us that our Heavenly Father delights in giving his children good gifts, and the gift of prophecy is one we're instructed to ask for here. Now, there's a whole bunch more I could speak about prophecy, and I'm aware this is very much a beginner's guide, but I want to leave plenty of time to put the theory into practice. But before we do, I'd like to address one more vitally important instruction Paul gives in this chapter. That is that when a prophetic word is given, it should be carefully weighed. For the recipient, prophecy should be received freely, but weighed carefully, Paul says. And that means a discerning ear is complementary to a prophetic voice. Before I talk about how to do this, I'd like to point out that I'm talking about weighing words that are strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. If they're not, they can pretty much be discarded straight away. I just want to give a couple of examples of this. One is one that Josh gave me permission to share tonight. He was in church a few years ago now, and someone came to him and said, oh, I've had a picture for you, Josh. I have a picture of you covered in blood, laid in the middle of the road. You've been hit by a car. We laugh now, but it's really disturbing, isn't it? Is there anything that fits Paul's guidelines here? Absolutely not. But in all seriousness... I'm aware that there may be people here tonight who have received disturbing words in the past. That might have been called prophecy, but it really wasn't, who might need to receive healing tonight. And if you do, do let one of your leaders know, your home group leader, and we'd love to pray for you. But do so knowing that this is not biblical prophecy. And don't let this put you off what is a wonderful gift of God when it's operated in love. If we teach each other the practice of weighing prophecy, just as the scripture teaches, we shouldn't fear. And what scripture never instructs is fear or the silencing of the gift of prophecy because it's being abused by some. Other words we can pretty much refute straight away are any that are controlling, manipulative, or directive. 
one of the common guidelines we share here is not to prophesy hatches, matches, or dispatches, or in other words, births, marriages, or deaths. So if anybody came here tonight and spotted somebody who they thought might be future marriage potential and said, when I looked over at you tonight, I sensed the Lord say, you are the person I'm going to marry. I'd suggest that if that was the Lord, I would keep that quiet for a while and see if that is one that comes to pass. It may well be wishful thinking, but in also, they can be serious ones too. Anything that is controlling, manipulative or directive isn't following the way of love. So how do we weigh a prophetic word? So you have just received a prophetic word from someone. How do you go about weighing it? When weighing up prophecy, it's important to appreciate that there's a large range in quality to consider rather than just a plain or simple decision as to whether it's right or wrong. It's, a sim- it's not a simple uniform test. It's a bit like going to the doctor for a health check and having to do several checks to see if you are a healthy person. Most prophetic words will be a mixture of God and man. As we've said earlier, we see in part, we prophesy in part. Sometimes we will get a prophetic word that is so clear and resonates with us so much that we think, wow, that person has just read my diary. I described one of mine like that earlier. Often they're not like that, though. Others may make less sense, which could mean that it either wasn't from the Lord, or perhaps, as I've often found, it doesn't make sense until a few months or years down the line. Most of the times that I've received prophetic words or pictures, I've found that there are some parts that resonate more than others. So here we have five top tips in learning to weigh prophetic words. Firstly, give yourself time. I'd encourage you that whenever possible, record a prophetic word in some way. Find a quiet space and read or listen again. Take some notes. What stands out? Are there any common themes? Take time to pray and ask God to help you discern. This isn't meant to be a one-off thing, but to cultivate a hunger to hear from God, both as a giver and a receiver of words. Secondly, is it biblical or does it sound like Jesus? We should dismiss anything that strays outside of the truth of Scripture. God never contradicts his word. Prophecy is always subordinate to the Bible. Number three, does it resonate with you? Does it fit with what you know about your God-given design and gifting? Don't discount it altogether if it doesn't, but perhaps find it as needing more prayer and consideration. Fourthly, does it add to a growing picture of what God is saying? I've often found that when God wants to confirm his word to me, he does this at different times in a number of different ways through different people and circumstances. Often they're all little glimpses of a bigger picture like pieces of a jigsaw that you put together to see the whole. So keep going back to words you were given, revisit them often, look for patterns and be hungry for confirmation. Number five, seek counsel and prayer, which isn't always necessary for every prophetic word you're given, but definitely if you're using prophetic words to make any serious life decisions um, and choices. Speak to wise, trusted friends, your home group leaders, share what you think God is saying and ask them what they think. Ask them to pray with you 
and for you. Keep praying and ask God to reveal a fuller picture. So before we enter into practicing some of this, just want to finish by saying prophecy, I hope I've shown tonight, is not an optional extra. It's at the very heart of the story of the Bible and the story of Jesus and the story of the church. So many of the stories of the people we read about in the New Testament can't be told apart from prophecy. Think of John, Peter, Mary, Paul, Timothy, Priscilla, to name but a few. And my story certainly can't be told apart from prophecy. We have a God who is living and active and present and speaking, not just in history, but right here, right now, among us. So let's commit tonight to eagerly desire the incredible gift God has given us in this special gift of prophecy. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.